I thought I'd go first, if I may. Um, a few days ago, I had a rather interesting experience. Very out of the blue, I wasn't expecting anything like this at all. And um, Spirit took me on a journey. And uh, on the journey, it was taking me back to my past, back to the age of 18. And kind of walking me through some of the events of my life, some of the major things, to just help me to see that, you know, I've been living this life of spirit and serving of God for a long time. It started in my childhood, but at the age of 18, it started to take a manifestation out into the world. And everything I've done, I realized after they walked me through this whole thing, is that my main goal, my main purpose in being is to assist souls in waking up and knowing God and assist them in walking the path of liberating the soul from this creation so that we can dwell once again fully in spirit and remain there and continue growing and moving where that is and not have to come back into this world of separation and all that it represents for us. So, as I began the journey, they kept reminding me that, to remember that my main purpose and my main goal or action in the world is to serve the soul. But there were also other things that I participated in putting together and make happen that were to serve the soul in the body and to serve the body so that the soul could wake up and know itself more fully. So at the age of 18, I had just graduated from high school and I met a spiritual teacher by the name of Cash Bateman and began to work with him. And the Archangel Michael came in to me quite often throughout my childhood and, and on and would share with me about different things. And one day uh, they shared with me about an organization that they wanted to see formed in the world. And I'm at the 18, I've just started my first job at a hardware paint store. <laughs> and here they're saying that they want me to organize um, an, uh, an organization that would serve people in the world. And I'm going, I will put it down, I'll write it, and I'll see if it ever comes about where I can. So they gave me a whole outline and some rendering, some drawings of different things that they wanted to have happen. And so I laid it all out. It was going to be called the American Medical and Psychic Research Association, or AMPRA, A-M-P-R-A. And I wrote it all out. I had it in, in a folder that I had put together for it. And I set it aside. And I never really thought much more about it for a while until after meeting Cash Bateman. And one day a, a group of doctors came in to visit with Cash in uh, San Antonio where he was staying at the time. And they, I got to meet a couple of the doctors and they were talking about what they were envisioning and they wanted to do something. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh my God, Ampra, of course. <laughs> and so I rushed home, I got my folder, I came back, 
And I presented it to them, and they liked the idea. They looked it all through and liked it and said they wanted to consider it. They wanted to look at this and see how they might be able to do something with it because it was right up the line of what they were talking about. So I went home, didn't think much about it, and about three weeks, four weeks later, I got a call from Cash, and he said, well, you need to get over here. We're going to start talking and laying out the whole process for Amper to be born. And we did it. We put it all together and it became a nonprofit and it got funded. The, one of the doctors, he was married to a Japanese uh, woman. Um, oh, I forget the name of the Pearl Company now, but Mikimoto or something like that. And uh, she, was, she was the owner of the company and very, very wealthy. And she came to a, the meeting when we formulated it and said she would fund it fully. And she did. And for several years, that was funded. And what the mission was, was to help people to understand about their body and how to take care of it in a different way than maybe they have been in the past, through nutrition, through exercise, through meditation, and through self-study. And so we put that program together, and she bought... 149 acres of land out in um, Sedona, Arizona at the foot of Coffee Pot Mountain. And we put together this property. And here at the age of 19, I'm standing at the gate and we're inaugurating the property and this whole idea and I'm going, <laughs> this is amazing, this is like a miracle. How in the world did this all happen? From the Archangel Michael talking to me to me writing this out to a year later, here we are. And um, so it functioned for a number of years. And about 1975, it, it, it dissolved because um, the marriage of the, of the couple dissolved and she pulled her money back and, and uh, there wasn't really money to continue after that, so it dissolved. And it was so funny because uh, one day I got a call and <clears throat> uh, Cash Bateman was sending me back the, the folder, the original folder, and it, it said across it, I, he said, I hope that you can make this happen again, but in a bigger way. And so I thought, okay. And I always turn it over to God because I don't have a lot of ideas about how to do this stuff. And I, I'm not one who goes out and tries to draw people together to make things happen like this in the world. So I just put it aside and, and left it up to God. I kept giving it up to God in my meditation when it come, would come up in my consciousness. And I knew if God wanted it, it would come about. And a few years later, I was up in um, Indiana at a conference for the Coptic Fellowship International making a presentation about spirit, not about all this other. And uh, I was sharing, sharing with them at that time about the symbols. I used to uh, talk about symbols as the language of spirit. And that oftentimes, uh, if you can begin to understand the symbols, the symbology language in your own dream state, that you can begin to really speak with spirit in a much greater way. And... Um, 
uh, I kept saying oh, I was going to write a book on the, the symbology of dreams, but I never did. <laughs> but I was going to, <laughs> maybe one day. But um, so while I was there, I met a couple of people, didn't think much about it. <clears throat> and um, from there, I was invited to go to Kalamazoo, Michigan to make a presentation to a group there that this gentleman uh, was a part of. So I went and I made the presentation and it went really well and they wanted me to come back to, to Michigan again whenever I could. So uh, I went home and a few weeks later somebody called me. At, at this time I was working at a health food store. I was a manager of uh, a, a chain of three health food stores at that time. And um, so I went in the back to take the call and they said they wanted me to come back right away. And I said, well, I really don't have any trips planned and you know, I'm, I've got a job, I've got to work. And they said, just plan on coming up here and if you need your boss to talk to somebody about it, we'll talk to them. And so I, I thought, okay, <laughs> whatever, whatever. And so uh, a few days later, my boss came in and they said that they had talked to the people and said, yes, it was important for me to go up there. So I, I took off. I went up for two weeks to see what this was all about. And, and uh, I got there and a, a lawyer that had attended the meeting in Michigan asked me to come and to share with a gentleman that he was working with. So I did. And it was very funny on that trip I was packing and I was just kind of hurrying to pack because it was a very quick planned trip. And um, all of a sudden inside I heard a voice say, take that. And it was at the top of um, my closet was a shelf where I had some of the more important papers and folders that I had received from Spirit. And so I just grabbed the folder that I thought they were talking about and I put it in my suitcase and really didn't think of anything about it. Uh, I didn't even look to see what it was about. And then I got to Michigan, and when I was unpacking, it was the AMPRA papers. And I went, what in the world do I need these for? So I put them back in my suitcase and just kind of forgot about it and went on about a few things. And a few days later, uh, I was asked to go to meet this gentleman. It was His name was John Fetzer. And uh, I went to the meeting, and we were all talking, and... He was trying to put together a foundation or something uh, that he wanted to develop and fund that would do some things in the world that he wished to have happen. And so um, we were talking and all of a sudden I heard inside Ampra, Ampra, Ampra. I heard it called three times and I went, okay. So I, I apologized, I excused myself. I said, I've got to go get something, and I think this will relate to this. And I drove back to the hotel and got my papers and came back and presented them to him. And voila, the Fetzer Foundation was formed based on these papers. And it was very interesting watching it happen because some people around him all had different ideas of what they wanted him to do with the money. And they wanted to be a part of, of that action with the money. And 
my idea is wash that all away. It took away all their control. It took away all their influence over the money and really gave it a direct focus. And it was on energy medicine and uh, healing. And so we put together a program and it, it got founded. He funded it. He actually owned the Detroit Tigers at that time, along with part of CBS broadcast. He had a broadcast house in Kalamazoo and a couple of other places. And he funded it with the monies from the Detroit Tigers. And so that began to make us a functional organization. We hired a group of people. And I was very involved from the ground up with the formation of all this. And even though I was working at a health food store in, in San Antonio at the time, I would be in my office in the back some, sometimes just talking for an hour or two with John and a few people, you know, plotting, planning, you know, designing, whatever. And uh, it was quite interesting. It was a lot of fun. And so the institute got formed and we all of a sudden had offices and it's still running today. Its focus has changed a little bit, but it's still an action that's taking place. And so I really feel like I helped to fulfill what Amper was to be, what the Archangel Michael gave to me when I was 18 years old. So during all that time too, back in the mid-80s, I guess early mid-80s, I um, met a lady up in New York City where I was giving some lectures. And um, we would talk, we would get together and talk with a group of people. And, and uh, one night in meditation, while we were together, Spirit came in and said, United Youth International. <laughs> I get a little emotional about these things. Um, and I had no idea what that was. And so I, when I got on meditation, I wrote it down. I thought, well, I'll look it up. I'm, I'm sure maybe there's an organization like that and I can, I'm supposed to do something with it. So we were all sitting around talking and, and uh, we started talking about the United Nations, which was just a few blocks down. And um, uh, all of a sudden, the Spirit came in and said, United Youth International. And I went, Okay, <laughs> still not, you know, I'm a little dense. I don't get it real quick. So uh, they're still talking and all of a sudden it made sense. We could form an organization called United Youth International. And so I said that and then they said, but what would it do? And I said, I don't know, I'll find out. <laughs> and so that next day in meditation, Spirit started laying out a design for United Youth International, which would have to do with bringing high school students into United Nations and educating them on the function of how the United Nations works and to take them as students that to your schools and begin to educate the schools, uh, the middle, middle schools or junior highs and high school students about the UN and to begin to work if the United Nations would do so with the students to bring this all about. 
So we put it on paper, we talked to some lawyers, we formulated it, we made a nonprofit out of it, and then we went to the United Nations and we sat there at the Under Secretary General's office talking to one of his secretaries and uh, telling them what our vision was. And he liked it. His name was Maurice Strong. And he really liked it. And so uh, when, the, the, when they took it to him, he liked it. And so we came back, we met with him, and he said, if you can formulate a real strategy on how you're going to do this, I might be able to get you an NGO, which is a non-governmental uh, organization permit to work in the United Nations. We presented our ideas, they liked it, and we got our NGO. And so we had access to having meetings in the United Nations with these students. And they gave it to us once a year at first, and it went very well. We would bring in high school students from a couple of different high schools, and we would hold meetings and discussions, and then the students would be able to sit in the very back of the General Assembly when it met in New York and uh, see how the organization really worked and actually got to meet a lot of the uh, representatives there. And so uh, it was a lot of fun and it was very educational for me as well as for everybody involved. And we could learn and see how the politics of the world work, not just the government in the United, Nation, in the United States, but in, in the world. Well, it grew and it grew and it got to be more popular and people in the United Nations kept asking for more to happen with the students because they liked having the kids around. And it got to the point that we really couldn't handle it. I was funding it uh, through Interlight Ministries to bring it about, but I really couldn't afford a lot of people. I, I was paying a couple of people for their work in that. So... We discussed it, and we decided to shop around, if you will, and see if there was a, a, a university or school that would want to take it on as a, 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 a inter-functioning inter working organism in their, their school, and Harvard University took it over. And, um, and they began to work with it and with the students, and it's now a major international organization that serves around the world. They hold meetings about the United Nations around the world. They actually fly students in from some parts of the world each year that they can attend and take the information back to their country. So it's really now a really functioning organization and it has been since 1983-84 when we first put it together. I guess no, 84-85. So, um, it's something to, for me to look at and see, you know, wow, okay, so I started with AMPRA, went to the Fetzer Foundation, which now is the Fetzer Institute, and then to United Youth International. And it's, it's rewarding to see that Spirit really worked with me on the outer to help in the outer functions of things, but also in the inner, because at the same time, I was really working to... Uh, bring about teachings for people about spirit, about soul, about liberation. 
about meditation and about the inner life and to help people to really begin to walk that inner journey more and more all the time. And so that's my main goal and it has been since I can remember. Um, I mean, I, I, I really woke up into God at five years old and it's just been an ongoing awakening and sharing and doing, serving all, since then. And so now Interlight Ministries and what we're doing here is a, a, an expansion of my own inner workings and working with individuals. And now we're working with a lot of different individuals in, in the group of Interlight Ministries. And it's just very rewarding. And I think Spirit was helping me to, to see, you know, where we've been or where I've been and who I am and what I'm doing and to help me to realize that this is just the next phase is just starting. We're just going to take another step into what's next. And so I'm kind of waiting to see what Spirit has to offer. And as an idea, as what it's going to look like, I don't know. But, you know, get ready. <laughs> Hopefully we'll have some new ideas and, and uh, be moving forward, you know, sometime, you know, pretty soon here, I hope. But whether it's inward or outward, I'll be doing the work to bring it about if I can. And, and um, I think it's going to be more inward now because that's my goal, that's my purpose, that's what Brian's about, that's what ILM is all about. And so um, uh, it may be just enhancing retreats, it may be bringing about other uh, classes, classwork to do, or whatever it might be to assist people in their meditations. So that's kind of my storyline of what I experienced the other night. And I just thought I'd share that with you all. And it's important to look and see, you know, pay attention. Spirit will work with you and share with you if you pay attention. But it's called wake up inside. Don't keep focusing on the outer and don't bring the outer into your meditation. The meditation is about you developing a relationship one-on-one -on -one with God. That's what this meditation practice is about. And if you will do that and leave all the other aside, all your concerns, all your fears, all your problems, all your doubts, all your questions, all your complaining, because people do go to God and complain a lot. <laughs> and just be focused and loving with God and open to receive God's loving. You will be shocked at just what all can unfold for you. The awarenesses, the information, the clarity, the simplicity, the focus. It's just amazing. And so I would just invite you all to really pay attention to your inner life because you do have an inner life, and that inner life is going to last a lot longer than this body. It, it is who you really are. That which is on the inner is who you are. And it's important for you to know that and to begin to live that more and more every day. I have, since childhood, and I've had teachers come in in my meditations and share with me, teach me, give me understanding, give me clarity. 
Because I made God first. And I only sat down in my prayer and meditations as a child and wanted to be with God and wanted to be in God and wanted to understand God, wanted to know God. And I got that because that was my intention. That was my focus. And all the other things, including my mom having cancer and so on and so forth, all the problems of the family, I never took it to God. I just went to be with God myself and to let it all unfold in God's way. And I think it has happened that way because of my intention. So when you sit down in meditation, see what's there and set it aside for a while, whatever it is. Anything that is of the world, anything that is of the body consciousness, whether it be emotions or mind or imagination or, or desire or need, set that aside and just go in in simplicity, in oneness of loving and just love God and love, let the loving of God come into you and see what really can happen. You'd be shocked because there are, there's so much information for you to receive about yourself and about who you really are as a soul, and about what it is you're to really be doing as a soul in this creation. And it's even bigger than that because you can move into the greater clarity and understanding of the creation and the universes around you. And I say universes because there's more than this universe to learn about and to understand and to grow into if you want to. So, really, really, really practice this meditation. Do this meditation. Be this meditation. Really be it. By focusing on God first. Because that is who is your creator. And that is your source. That is your home. And that is your purpose. Is to wake up and to know the truth of who you really are. And at the point of liberation, return back from which you came. You came out of God and you return to God. This body came out of this world and it will return back into the world. But you, the soul, are to go home to God. And you're sitting here today because you have a longing, you have a calling, you have a desire, you have a want, you have a question inside of yourself having to do with who you are beyond this body, beyond this creation. And it's important for you to know that and to be aware of it. And you may have taken initiation and even wondered, what in the world am I doing this for? I don't even know what this is. Why am I getting initiated? Why do I want to be initiated? And you got initiated anyway because it was your soul pulling you to it, desiring you to it, needing you to it. Because your soul is the one that is calling you home, or God is calling the soul home, and it's the soul that wants to go home to God. And the soul now is ready to finish things in this lifetime, in this body of yours, 
and be able to leave and not have to come back. That's liberation. It's liberated from this creation. That's what this path is about. The path of sound and light is about the path of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that created the soul, and it is the Holy Spirit that has walked with the soul throughout all of its existence, and all of its experiences, and all of its embodiments. And it is the Holy Spirit that will bring the soul back home to God. Once we complete here, and this meditation practice is about assisting you in getting this complete. Finishing <coughs> whatever lessons or karmas that you have, getting them done. We get them done through loving, accepting, and forgiving. We get them done through being in the loving with God and letting God love us. And that love dissolves so much of our karma that if we can sit there and truly be in the loving for just a moment, so much is transformed, so much is lifted and moved, and we get freer. Now, at the body consciousness, you may not recognize it that well. You may not see it, know it, feel it, but it's true that it is happening. And the way you might know that it's happening is your life gets a little simpler, a little easier, a little quieter. Or you find that the days get more easy and clear to go through. You're not butting up against the world so much. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. And you find that inside yourself, you do feel freer. You do feel quieter. You don't have all the pressure and the questions and the doubts and the fears running inside of you as they were before. And that's how you can sometimes come to the knowing that this meditation practice is working and that the soul is getting liberated. And you may have inner experiences through your meditations, through your dreams, that also clarify for you what the action is. And just like I talked about symbols early on with the Coptic Fellowship International talk, symbols are a part of all that. We have to become aware of the symbology, the language of symbols that Spirit uses to share with us, to get across a message. And so the more you can begin to understand those symbols, the more you begin to have more direct experience in spirit. And so that's what we share with you is about those symbols, about what it is to be in the attic, what it is to be in the basement in the dream of a house, what it is to be in a car and have a flat tire, or whatever it might be. So write these things down that you get in meditation because you'd be surprised what they might be telling you. I came to receive understandings and teachers from the Archangel Michael and other teachers just like when I put Amper together. Well, I didn't. <laughs> they did. I just wrote it down. Because 
I did my meditation, and I put God first, and I paid attention, and I cleared a lot of things out of the way in my consciousness, so that when I sat in meditation, I was focused, and I was in the loving, and I was in the flow of spirit and loving, and in that flow is the wisdom, the peace, the joy, the grace, the gratitude, everything that is God is right there for you. <coughs> and that's what we hope <clears throat> that you can wake up to as well in your meditation. <clears throat> but if you drag things in your meditation, <clears throat> they keep you anchored more in the world, in your meditation and in your daily life. And if you drag things into your meditation to give to God, that's one thing. But to complain to God or to ask, solve this, heal this, take care of this, pay these bills, <clears throat> that's going to be something that I say stands between you and God. And then you don't really get a good relationship. When you have something standing between you and another person, you don't really have a true, honest relationship. You have to clear all that out in order to have a true relationship in the world and with God. So don't even carry those things in. Let them be something that you take charge of in your daily life. And you decide and you do the work and you do both the inner and the outer work of handling these things. Handle your fear. Handle your complaining. Handle that which you are complaining about and see if there isn't a solution that you can come up with or take action with to change what the conditions are. So this pathway is <clears throat> major to me because this is what I've talked about all my life. And a lot of people never understood me when I was 18, 19, 25, whatever. People just didn't quite grasp what I was talking about because at the time back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, people were more involved in the psychic and self-help than they were about spirit. And the spiritual action... Uh, the closest a lot of people I know that got to it was through Buddha's, Buddhism and studying the Buddhistic way. And that does open you up to certain levels of understanding about the self, but it really isn't the full spiritual pathway because it doesn't involve God. It doesn't involve your soul. It doesn't involve you awakening into your own soul and into God. It's a very different pathway than this. So, take your practice very seriously. Not so seriously that it's like, oh, I gotta do this, but seriously. Do it with intention. Do it simply. Make it as simple as possible. That's one thing, <clears throat> when I was 18 years old and I went out to begin giving talks to groups, Spirit came to me one day and said, Jim, keep it simple and elegant. Those are the two things that you have to remember, simple and elegant. If you keep it simple and elegant, it will stay in alignment with the flow of Spirit. But the moment you make it complicated 
and of the mind and of the world and you throw all these other things on top of it, you lose it. And it just becomes another energy of distractions and disturbance in the world and within the body consciousness. So simple and elegant. Simple, <clears throat> simple is very easy to understand. This meditation practice is one-pointed focus. It's about your soul and God. That's a very simple focus. So this spiritual pathway is very simple in that way. And elegant, it's not about elegant in the sense of a, a beautiful mansion and all the elegance that might, you might find in one. Elegant is about the beauty of spirit, the beauty of your soul, the elegance of spirit and how it flows and how it moves and how it just is filled with ease and simplicity. That's the elegance of spirit. So begin to find that for yourself. It lives inside of you. All that you are inside is simple and elegant. The world is complex. It's ever tearing things apart to find out how, why, what. This isn't about that. This is about bringing things together as a whole and discovering in that wholeness who we really are as a whole spiritual being, as a soul. So find that for yourself. We're here to support you in that. We've given you the keys to the kingdom that Jesus also gave out to his disciples, the sacred name to focus on in your meditation. That name is the one-pointed focus that begins to help us to really rise up inside and to discover the greater truth of who we are as soul and spirit. And we're here to support you in answering your questions about your inner pathway, your inner journeys, to assist you in getting clear. And we've given you some tools, which is loving, accepting, and forgiving. Those three actions begin to clear away a lot of the karmas that you've been holding on to for more than this lifetime, it allows you to begin to clear away so much, so quickly, because it's done through the action of the Holy Spirit, and you bring the Holy Spirit into that action, and it is done. And then it's up to you to let it stay done. Don't then go and drag those things back up in your life again, and still complain about them even though they're really done. And to take responsibility for your thoughts and your feelings, your actions and your reactions, and contemplate what that really means. There is such depth in just those few words that it's amazing. And so many people go, oh, okay, well, take, take responsibility. Yeah, I can do that. Well, there's a lot to those words. Take responsibility for your thoughts and for your feelings. Think about it. Do you really know what that means? Do you? 
I've shared a little bit about it. I can share a lot more, but you've got to be open to receive it. And a lot of people aren't yet there. So allow yourself to open up by contemplating what does that really mean to me, to my journey, to my awakening into God. Because taking responsibility for your thoughts and your feelings is a huge action on your part to come to that place of simplicity and spirit. So look at all these things and see how you're doing what you're doing in meditation and maybe adjust it a little bit, refine it a little bit. And a lot of you are waking up in spirit, in soul, in God. And you know it. And some of you think you know it, but you're not sure. You question it. Ask God for more clarity. It's a relationship between you and God. Let God begin to really communicate with you, to share with you, to open you. God's ready to just take you home, but you've got to be willing to go home to God. And you can go home to God while you're in the body. It doesn't mean God's going to come down and snatch your soul out of the body and you die. It means God and you will have a relationship where you participate in that flow of the divine even while you're in the body. And every day that you meditate, more of the karma is cleared, more grace comes in, and you are more free in the physical world and liberated at the soul. And when that day comes that God decides, okay, you're done here, you're really, really done, and you take your last breath, you just are inside and you go, just like you have in the past, but this time you don't have to come back to the body. And believe me, that'll be a day of your rejoicing. I have seen many souls do this now, and I haven't seen a one even turn around to look back at where they were, of who they were, of what they left behind, or anything, because they are done here, and they know it. And they are so happy. I can't even begin to express to you the happiness, the joy, the gratitude to finally be free of all of this. And to know I don't have to go back. I don't have to do that anymore. And to be able to feel the openness and the freedom and the loving. Oh my God, the loving is amazing when you don't have all this other burdening you and dragging you down. I have seen souls run through the fields of grass in spirit up in the soul realm. Just run through these fields just going, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And I've had others just jumping, jumping, jumping for joy. <laughs> It's amazing you hear the phrase, but I've seen them do it <laughs> over and over and over and over because they are just so joyful. And I saw one lady who had arthritis real bad, rheumatoid arthritis in her body, in the physical body. 
And when she was out of that body and not in the pain, she was jumping. Oh, my God. She was jumping for the joy of just being free of the body and all that that represented to her. So know that you're on a great journey. You may not even realize it sometimes, and maybe most of the time. I don't know. But the more you can focus on God first, and God only in your meditation and in your daily life, the more you will be aware of it. I'm not going to say I guarantee, but I would like to say that's true. I know it's true, and I want you to know it's true. Brian knows it's true, and I know he wants you to know it's true. And that's what ILM is really here to help you with. All right.